Welcome to the Engaged Prospect podcast. This is Dan Hirsch. I'm founder and president of Engaged Prospect. We are an inside sales and outside sales consulting firm and outsourcing company. Today, I'm with Jason Bay, who is co-founder and chief revenue officer of Blissful Prospecting. Jason, it's awesome to have you on. Hey, I'm excited for this, Dan. Yeah, we've already talked uh, prior to this, so I'm, uh, I'm curious to see where the conversation takes us. <laughs> well, well, we'll see, but uh, I, know, I know for sure where I wanted to at least start it. Um, first, why don't you tell us a little bit for our listeners, a little about your business, Blissful Prospecting. Love to learn kind of where you're coming from as we, as we go through this chat. Definitely. Uh, so at, at Blissful Prospecting, we help B2B sales teams grow their outbound sales faster with more consistency. And typically what that means is a lot of different things. This whole outbound concept is, I feel like very familiar if you're in a tech company, because those are all the people that are posting stuff about outbound these days. <laughs> so they know mm -hmm. about video and like all this other stuff. And, and outbound might be a fairly new concept uh, if you're in an industry outside of tech. So a lot of where we're coming in is people are already doing prospecting, but there isn't really a good process around it. And they might not really know how to improve the process. Like what should the baseline be? What should they expect? And how can they get incremental improvements? And that's where we come in is to really bring more and make more sense around the process, help them understand a little bit better, look at what the opportunities are, and that sort of thing. And we get started really by scratching our own itch. So when I started consulting and working with businesses back in 2013, I didn't really know how to do outbound at that time and find companies to work with. So read everything from predictable revenue to like any book that I could find on, on selling and, and particularly doing outbound and learned how to do it for ourselves and found out there's a lot of businesses that need help with it as well. I can't, can't wait to pick your brain about it. And, and for transparency to our audience, um, when Jason and I first spoke, we, we, we nothing. I brought to you that we may have some competing interests in, in the work that we do. And not to put you on the spot, but I thought your answer was, was awesome. Um, what were your thoughts when, if you can think back to that point, when I said, hey, just, just so you know, um, it's probably all good, but we may be in the similar space. What are your thoughts to that? Do you remember what you said? I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was probably something along the lines of, you know, anyone that is listening to this, that hears two people that care a lot about helping companies do this right is going to learn from it. And really that's, that's what it's about, right? Is making a, an impact on the sales community and people that want to get better at doing outbound and doing it right. And if people listen to this and that just, that makes them decide to take action on doing a better job of this or doing it the right way. See, they're naturally going to gravitate towards you or me or someone else or whatever, you know? So, uh, I, I don't really see, there's so much business out there. You know what I mean? There's the world's abundant for sure. Yep. And that's, that's a great takeaway. I think the other piece too, at least from my perspective, not to, not to lump you into this category, but <laughs> for us, a lot of, a lot of what we do is just figuring out best practices and, and trying to implement them and create a, you, you brought up predictable revenue, right? But create mm -hmm. a, a scalable and predictable way to go about outbound efforts and attracting new business. And the way we do it right now is 100% different than it's going to be a month from now, because we're going to learn other things. I yep. think 
I think that that's a great segue into our next topic. But to, to wrap that up, certainly, you know, in our in our space, it is a very good idea for companies to share ideas and, and understand best practices, know what works in some industries and what doesn't in others. And most of our listeners out there can probably can probably take notice of your response. I was I was floored by how how optimistic and great your response was a few weeks ago when we first talked. <laughs> yeah. and, and I love it, right? I love it because that's the way to, that's the way to go about business. Too often um, you try to keep everything close to the vest. And what happens, unfortunately, from my experience is you then don't learn as much as you possibly could. And yeah. in this, in this world, it's everybody can rise to the top. Certainly if you have a patent, I'd, suggest maybe not sharing it with your direct competitor but if it's just ideas and philosophies more more power to you let's share ideas absolutely on on that note you had a great idea and let's let's talk about that so on on our call you you mentioned this concept of outbound 1.0 2.0 and 3.0 and i just brought up the concept of sharing best practices, knowing full well that tomorrow they probably won't be the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. tell, us, tell us about this 1.0, 2.0, 3.0 concept. Definitely. So I look at outbound, doing outbound effectively in three parts. There's your ability to identify you know, good fit companies that need what you have. The second part is your ability to engage them and start a conversation. And then the third is your ability to convert them into an opportunity. How do you take a prospect and actually get the sales process started and turn them into, into a deal? So that process hasn't changed since we've been doing outbound prior to any sort of technology allowing us to do that. And where outbound 1.0 started and where this term was coined outbound was really in the 90s and 2000s. And that was you know, really more of like a mass blast. So our way of identifying people is to get a big list. And then the way that we engage them is by sending them mass emails. And this was like the predictable revenue style emails. And predictable revenue, by the way, has has very much changed their methods and they've adapted with the time. So I don't want it to sound like I'm talking bad about them as a company because they're an awesome company. But the the way that they would uh, do that is like, you would send a referral cold email and say, hey, who's the best person at your company to talk to about this? It'd be like one sentence. So you didn't even really need to do multi-channel. You could just send emails. You didn't even really need to do any research to book a meeting. And Mm. if you did this and you found a way to do it at scale, like you were murdering in the 90s and like early 2000s. And then Outbound 2.0 came along in really the late 2000s up until about 2016. And that's when people are like, okay, I can send mass blast emails for like 19 bucks a month. So that's becoming commoditized. Everyone's inbox is getting flooded with really poor cold emails. And this is really where multi-channel started to uh, really started to become a thing. And that was, if I'm just sending emails, that's not good enough. I need to engage prospects through the phone. I need to engage them on social and think about where they're hanging out outside of their inbox. And pre-call research became a really big thing too. So Sales Navigator came about and it's like, oh, now I can research an org chart at the company uh, using a tool and I can find out about what these people like and what they post about and that sort of stuff. And this was like the dawn of like personalization. And the personalization, it was like really cool if I knew that you were a Dodgers fan. 
and I could say, Hey, saw that you're a Dodgers fan. And that was like, Oh wow. Jason like really knows who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And this really stopped working as effectively around 2016 ish when LinkedIn really started to blow up. And now that brings us to outbound 3.0. So up until this point around 2017 or so, you could really get away with primarily a push strategy. You could push a lot of activity, a lot of emails, calls, that sort of stuff out. And now it really is uh, becoming a balancing act with the prospects, really their time being taken up more and them having more power in the buying process. And the shift that needs to be made now is this mass blast approach really needs to turn into more of a, a quality approach because contact rates are decreasing significantly because so many people have the ability to mass blast LinkedIn, text, emails, uh, that sort of stuff. We know that multi-channel prospecting is here to stay. And now it becomes about two things. We need to add thought leadership and that's becoming the new norm where people and this approach of from a sales standpoint, instead of taking from the prospect like their time, we really need to move to teaching. So we need to move from take to teach. So prospects really want to, especially if you're a VP or a C-level person, you want insights. And you want to talk to a salesperson that's going to be able to tell you about what's going on in your industry and what your competitors are doing. You're not just going to take a, a meeting to hear about someone's product or service. So that's, that's the new norm. Yeah. How, how can you leverage this push and pull strategy to where you're putting stuff out there, you're letting prospects see that you have thought leadership, you, your company has a perspective and allow companies to engage with that and then running outbound on those companies and those prospects that are engaging with the stuff that you're posting. That's outbound 3.0. I, first of all, I love how you keep saying engaging your prospects. I love that. Maybe Google will start to put my company's site up at the top. <laughs> Keep saying it over and over on, on podcast. Um, yeah. most, most importantly, though, you, you brought up an interesting, an interesting thought. So, so actually several, but, but something I've never considered. So we work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and business leaders that, that then we're, we're either doing or consulting on their sales efforts. And we talk thought leadership oftentimes from a leadership perspective. So it's like, marketing guy writes content or entrepreneur writes white paper, you know, so on and so forth. But you're, you're actually advocating for thought leadership at a sales level so that you can better educate and inform your potential buyers of what their competitors are doing, what the landscape of the industry is, what might be coming down the pike. Yep. Is that, did I hear that right? Yeah. And if you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, oh, so my sales team, like they need to become expert content writers. No, they don't. They just need to be able to regurgitate what your company is doing. So how are you arming your sales team with the ability to educate their prospects? So instead of doing product training and training people on like things that have to do with new features and things like that, how are you teaching them more like business acumen? So if, if we're talking outbound here, for example, because that's, that's what we both do and, and what we both sell essentially is this, you know, filling people's pipeline. If I have people selling for me, how am I teaching them about what the trends are in this industry, right? I need, I need them to be able to communicate this. You need to move from mass blast to quality approach. You need to move from product centric to buyer centric messaging. You need to be able to teach instead of take 
and I think I said that backwards. You need to move from buyer centric messaging, uh, product centric <laughs> to buyer centric. So, um, but yeah, it's educating your salespeople and building their business acumen and, and like getting them to realize like, hey, if they want these meetings with these directors and VPs and C-level people, like they need to know about what's going on in the industry and they need to have insights to share and they need to be able to talk about that. That's, that's absolutely right. I love that. So you're, you're focusing on a, a professional development plan for your, for your sales team and your client sales teams to continuously um, un- understand what's happening in the market, understand what's happening. That's great, right? It works across all, all of the best practices. You understand how your customers are benefiting from your service. So it's case studies and testimonials and use cases. It's understanding what other businesses are doing. That's, that's, you're right. It's more important than product knowledge, um, especially in a technical sale when, when those things are just, does it have this feature? Yes or no. You need to be able to talk high level and really, really help somebody understand the, the genuine impact of a purchase with you, as opposed to why this little button is going to really change your life. Yeah. I what's the that. business value? I've been talking a lot with, I don't know if you know, Chris Ortolano over at sales stack. He's got a big Slack community. Um, outbound edge. He, he does a lot of consulting with these larger, you know, tech companies. And we've been talking about this, this concept, a lot of, you know, thought leadership and, and what is this? And, and really what it comes down to is the salesperson's ability to communicate business value. So yeah, instead of selling that feature or that widget or whatever it is, like, can you have a conversation about how that's going to affect something that this VP cares about on a business level? Like what's going to move the needle for them. And for us, it, you know, it could be speed to revenue. You know, it could be a certain thing. It could be their ability to find quality accounts or engage multiple and do multi-threading, right? Engage multiple people in the buying process. There's something that they really care about that's bigger than you coming in and helping them implement a sales engagement platform. You know, there's, so much more to that and being, I don't know, it just comes to the business acumen. And I think it's actually really simple to teach. I don't know if it's, it's easy because you might have kids, right? Early 20 somethings going out there and doing the prospecting, but you need to have those business conversations and it's, it's a pretty simple thing to train. You just have to focus on it and, and actually talk about it. And one of the biggest things that you can do at the company level is for the people to be running the company to talk about those things. What is it like to run a company? Uh, your VP of sales should be talking with your sales team and talk about like, well, what, what does a VP of sales care about? What does the VP of marketing care about? What's the VP of finance care about? Like, how do they talk about things? What are they, what are they really trying to drive and improve in their business? That's right. We do a lot of work with, with ed tech companies that are selling yeah. either directly to schools or to school districts. And mm-hmm. some of the best exercises, it's hard to do all the time, but some of the best exercises for newer staff is to get them into a school, have them observe a classroom, Not, nothing related to the job itself in a sense, yeah. but to your point, 100% applicable for every conversation from now on that they have. Yep. Right. Oh, I remember sitting in Miss Simmons class and she was telling her kids about blah, blah, blah. I understand some of these challenges now where I didn't before, because the last time I was in a classroom, I was 17 years old and now I get it from the other side. Yeah. To- totally fantastic idea. And what you're talking about, like what I hear there is really the ability to empathize with your prospect. And if you haven't really experienced 
what they're experiencing or some sort of thin slice of that, by definition, you don't really have the ability to empathize with them. So you really need to understand like what's going on, what their typical day looks like. I mean, you could get, and a lot of this is accomplished through doing customer interviews, but having a customer interview with someone through a sales lens and a marketing lens versus a product lens, asking them about things like, you know, what kind of challenges were you having that made you decide to get in touch with us? What were the options that you decided in terms of like how to fix this problem that you had? And really paying attention to the language that they use and using that language and teaching your salespeople what that language is and getting them to talk in that language. I assume that translates pretty, pretty quickly into outbound emails as well, correct? Absolutely. Yep. So you talked about buyer centric versus product centric mm -hmm. and I, or, or the other way around. Now I'm confused, but buyer centric versus buyer centric is the, the message you're advocating for versus exactly. Okay. Yep. Tell, tell us, tell us about that. That that's certainly a common theme in sales training circles and sales leadership, but tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's really looking at, hey, buyers have more control in the buying process now, and they don't need you as a salesperson in most cases to help them buy the product. So if you look at really not too long ago to, to buy a lot of things, you had to talk to a salesperson to really learn more about it and figure out exactly what you needed. And the power was in the salesperson's hands. Right now the buyer has more information than they've ever had. And it's really making the salespeople meet them halfway. So if we're just talking about what our product does, we're not really communicating the business value. And it's really hard for us to stand out because that's really what it's all about with prospecting is getting the prospect's attention. And what everyone is doing right now is very product heavy messaging. It's about features and benefits versus results and value. And that's really what people buy. You know, you've heard the analogy with like the, and I don't think I came up with this third part of it, but the analogy with the drill and the hole. You know, people say, hey, people don't buy the drill, they buy the hole. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what they actually buy is they want the ability to put the TV up, there, you know, put the wall mount up so they can put their TV on the wall, right? They want to put the picture on the wall that they took from their family vacation that means a lot to them that they want to put in their living room. That's really what people are buying. That's the result. That's the value that they get. They're not buying a whole. That's not really how I look at it. So like looking at how people buy and knowing that they want a result that's going to help them do better at their job. And how can you cater more and talk to the results versus the features and the benefits? So, that in my, you mentioned kids and then said 20 somethings. Um, I'm, I'm only a little bit older than them. I'm, I'm mid thirties, but I remember, you know, from my early days of, of selling and understanding, really understanding B2B sales specifically, I remember being surrounded by colleagues that would go into a cold call, let's say, and just start dumping information on, <laughs> on the person who, who is yeah. like, why in the world did I answer the telephone? And then I'm like being preached at for two minutes, right? Um, so how, how, do you, how do you recommend that initial portion of the call start? Because you're right. And, and I could have probably shared a lot of other statistics first before the question, but there, 
there's a there's several statistics like only a certain percent, I believe it's three, are actively looking for your type of solution when you call them yep. or email them. And because of the abundance of information, like you said a minute ago, I can go and find, thank you, Google, right? I can go and find everything out about you, your competitors, and other alternatives um, without ever speaking to a salesperson. And, and I feel like that information is more valuable because it's, even though it's written probably by a marketer, I feel like, well, since I'm reading it, it must be authentic. And, you know, I don't trust that sales guy. He's going to say whatever it takes to get the sale. So I'm going to read their, their marketing deck. Um, how do you do that? How do you go into that first conversation, whether it's email or, or phone call, and communicate that value without dumping all over features and benefits? Yeah. So it's a couple, couple things here and then let's just role play at the beginning of a call. Um, so, so I think, I think there's two things to look at here. So one, the way that I approach prospecting and the mindset is around being more curious than I am assumptive. So if I let curiosity drive the conversation, I want to learn more about their situation to figure out if I can help them that's going to come out in my tone and it's going to come out in the form of really smart questions versus this mm -hmm. assumptive approach where I can help you. I have the best product, et cetera, et cetera. Because if I'm cold calling you, Dan, I, I could do all the research I want, but I don't really know that much about you at the end of the day. Right. Right. I really don't know what your problems are. I don't even know what your challenges are related to the solution that I'm selling or if I can help you. So I'm certainly not posting that on my website, right? I'm not yeah. going to say, my challenge is I can't grow my business because yeah. I, I don't know how to sell. Here are my 10 <laughs> challenges. So when you cold call me, like, you know, make sure you talk about when it's like, that's not happening. Right. Okay. The other thing we need to understand is like why people decide to change. So when you look at when you're prospecting, all you're really trying to do is not to get a person to change. You're trying to get them to be open to the possibility of changing. The changing comes when they actually decide to buy something. Right? So, I'll just give you an example because one of our clients, I won't mention the company name, but they essentially have an automated solution for QuickBooks, so for bookkeeping uh, for small businesses. And this is the example we can use in a cold call here. But um, the way that uh, small business owners are handling this, like they're already doing something, right? They're already taking care of this themselves. They have a bookkeeper that's doing it. They may have someone in their family doing it. Like they're already taking care of this. And we're just trying to get them to be open to change. So when you lead with pain all the time and a challenge you can fix, that might not always get their attention because they might not understand that what they're experiencing is a pain that can be fixed. Okay. Mm, sure. So, so leading into this, I let curiosity drive the conversation. And when a, with a cold call specifically, I want to get like directly to the point with why I'm reaching out. And then I want to open up with some questions. So let's just, let's just role play a call. You cool with that? I'm cool. I, first of all, I love that. Yes, yep. let's do this. Um, ring, ring. Hi, this is Dan. Hey, Dan. Uh, Jason with ABC Company here. I was. Uh, I know I caught you in the middle of something here, so I'll be quick. I was reaching out. I noticed on LinkedIn, you guys are doing like a ton of hiring right now. And typically what goes along with that is, you know, a, a lot of growth, you know, revenue wise. And I was curious, um, how are you guys handling like your accounting and bookkeeping and stuff like that right now, a lot of the people that we talk to either use a bookkeeper or have some sort of solution in-house. In how are you guys handling that right now? We have a, a bookkeeper who does some part-time 
part-time stuff with us. Of course, it's a service, so she has a lot of other clients. Um, and then I do the rest, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually what we hear a lot is that, uh, you know, business owners are doing a lot of their own accounting and that sort of thing. And, and I'm curious if you're open to sharing, how, you know, how much time, how many hours are you spending a week taking care of your oh, books? Geez. Yeah, um, maybe like four or five hours, probably. Yeah, yeah four or five hours. Yeah. Um, is there, uh, just one, one last question here. Is there, is there anything else like when you look at, cause I mean, it looks like you started this business, uh, about eight years ago. If I, if I'm looking correctly on your LinkedIn here, I mean, I'm sure there's other stuff that you would like to be spending your time on. Is there, are there other stuff in your business that you enjoy like doing more? Oh, well, certainly I'd, I'd prefer to be customer facing and, and work with our clients and, and also help our team. We're, as you said, hiring a lot of people. I'd like to I'd like to have enough time to meet with them one-on-one -on -one and, and group training sessions and all of those things. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's never, well, you know, small business, man. There's never enough time in the day. No, definitely. I, I, uh, I hear you. Uh, well, like I said, I, you know, I promised I'd keep it short. So um, what I heard is essentially that you're, you know, you're spending about five hours per week on bookkeeping. You'd like to spend less, you're growing fast and would like to really focus on that. And that was actually the reason I was reaching out to you is, and then I would just go into what our solution does. You know, that's where I would make the pitch of, well, hey, what we can talk about exploring is, you know, how can we, how we can get that five hours a week down to maybe one or two so that you can spend more time on growing the business um, instead of doing your bookkeeping. Um, how does it. all that sound? You know, and then I would dig that's in and I would go it. into setting a meeting and that kind of thing. You, so, so I, I love that. And that's extremely consistent with what my approach would be. Um, in fact, on a previous episode of, of this podcast, we talked with a gentleman named Bob Berg, and he was yeah. talking about his number one, number one, how did he phrase it? Number one, most important quality of a sales rep or mm -hmm. something like that. And I, I got a turn to answer and I said, curiosity, I believe curiosity is the number one. And, and I love actually how you used that term in the in your pitch, right? Hey, I'm just calling because I'm curious, blah, blah, blah. Um, another observation is you, you told me right up front that you weren't gonna keep me long because you knew I was probably in the middle of something. That's very disarming and I'm not gonna hang up because I know unless you're not truthful, you're probably only gonna be on the phone with me for two minutes. And then you made it about me. I'm sorry, sales coach is kicking in here, but. <laughs> then, then you made it about me and started asking me questions. Nothing about, have you ever explored services like ours? Are you familiar with how this kind of solution could save you time? You didn't even, you didn't even know that time was an issue until you asked me that question. So I, I loved how you approached that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely could have been a harder prospect. <laughs> I, I certainly could have, yeah. But, I understand. Um, but yeah, the, the point there too is that so when we add this outbound 3.0 element to this call, the call changes a lot. So if, if, if I'm calling you because you engaged with something that I posted or I engaged with something that you posted mm -hmm. and you commented back on that, I become much more familiar. So I'll give you another example of, uh, I was just doing uh, some calls because I still uh, cold call. So a couple hours ago, I made a call into a company where I just noticed this one person was engaging with a lot of content that I was posting on LinkedIn. Okay. So when I call them, um, 
So let's pretend, Dan, let's do another quick role play to make a point of like what this could sound like instead. Um, let's pretend that like you saw a post that I recently wrote on like 10 ways to open up a cold call. Okay. And right. I should be a total jerk this time, right? Uh, you don't have to be a total jerk because you actually liked my content, you know, but yeah, feel free to be a little harder. Well, um, I hate authors. That's the thing. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be super mean. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, ring, ring. Hi, this is Dan. Hey, Dan, uh, Jason with Blissful Prospecting. I was calling you, uh, you had commented on my post about the 10 ways to open up a cold call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's up, man? Jay, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're taking the call here. I, do you have like a couple minutes? I was, I was reaching out because I mean, first off your company looks really cool. And I was, I was wanting to know if, if you might have a couple minutes here, I, I'd love to get some help if you, if you, if you can. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have a few minutes. Cool. So uh, what I saw is it looks like you're like really into like consuming content on cold outreach. Like what, what type of outbound are you guys doing right now? Well, we're, we're actually just starting a department. Um, I brought mm -hmm. in a guy to, to lead these efforts. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to help find, find guidance and advice for him. But ultimately, yeah, we're, we're starting a, an inside sales team to go after some new business for us. That's great. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's certainly a big endeavor that you guys are taking on as well. Um, so it sounds like, so Outbound is, is fairly new for you guys. You're just getting started. Um, the other thing is, is there any particular you know, challenges that you've had in getting this process started? I know that sometimes, you know, first starting out, there's hey, what kind of tools we use. Uh, should we be using video? Do we make calls or emails? Like, where are you at in that process of getting everything together? Well, so we have, we have two reps who are focused on, on outbound calls and emails. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I don't know. In my previous organizations, um, cold calling has been, has been really challenging. So it, it hasn't been effective. And I'm, I'm nervous that this is going to be kind of the same, but at the same point, we need to grow top line revenue. So um, it's an approach we're, we're trying to take. Definitely, man. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. Is there, is there anyone um, else that's like working with you on this? Well, the new manager. Um, yeah, mostly the two of us. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one of the things that we could explore is, and what I heard there is you're just getting started and it sounds like there's a concern over whether this calling and emailing approach will be effective or not. Um, one thing that we could do, cause I'm looking on LinkedIn, it looks like Alan is, is the other manager there. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, what we could do if you're open to it is I, I can definitely share, you know, two or three strategies we see working really well with companies like yours doing outbound, one of those being, you know, how to do a little bit more of a, you know, quality approach that's a little more personalized versus mass blast, but still maintaining your productivity. And then the other thing that we could talk about too is how to be really buyer centric in the messaging. So we have something called the reply method. That's a framework that you can use to quickly put together an email that's really going to relate with the prospect. Would it be helpful to maybe talk about some of those and how you guys might be able to use some of that stuff with your outbound efforts that you're just getting started? Um, sure. Yeah, I don't think it would hurt. I'd be cool. open to that. 
So that's um, how a lot of like when I do calls, there aren't like, if you do this outbound 3.0 thing correctly and you're creating content and letting people engage with it and then prospecting to those people, your response at the beginning of the call is exactly how my cold calls go. People are like, oh, Jason, I was just listening to your right. podcast, man. Um, and this approach also, don't be afraid to, to do a bottom-up approach. So if this is like a really big company that you want to work with, you know, that's, that's another thing I recommend is tiering the accounts you're reaching out to. You have like kind of your A priorities and B priorities. And the ones that are really a good opportunity that makes sense to take a little bit of extra time with, you don't have to start at the VP level. So let's say in this call, you were like a sales manager and there was one other manager with you. What I could also ask is, hey, you know, so I noticed so-and-so is your VP of sales. Um, is that the person that's like kind of like in charge of all this stuff? Uh, yeah, okay. Well, one of the things, if you're cool with it, um, that I was planning on sharing with them is just some of the stuff we talked about. It. Like, would you be comfortable either giving an intro or if I was to reach out to this person, if I was, if it was okay if I mentioned our conversation? And I'm doing this multi-threading. So I'm getting multiple mm -hmm. people involved and I'm bringing insights. I call it insider info. I can, I can approach this VP of sales and I just did this. This worked really well last week. I just did three of the calls I did were with two with VPs of sales and one with the VP of marketing. And they both commented on the fact they like that I actually talked to someone on their sales team before talking to them because I already had an idea of what was going on. Right. One of the examples was this person was talking about, yeah, we're doing personalization and we don't really know like what the balance, proper balance is for personalization at scale. And that was what I put in the cold email to the VP. I said, hey, I talked to so-and-so. They mentioned that you guys are really focused, not only particularly on outbound, but uh, finding a balance between uh, personalization. So this mass blast approach and quality without sacrificing productivity. I have a strategy I'd love to share with you on a call to help your team with that. It's like I'm showing that I already have insights into what's going on and I can actually bring this information into a conversation with a VP. And that's not something I would be able to figure out unless I talk to someone that was below them. That's interesting. So we do a lot of top down, bottom up approach as well. Yep. And the two stories that stick into my head from, from what you're sharing is in a larger organization where, where you may know the other players in the department, certainly if it's the same, you know, a 40 person sales team, you're going to know them. But even, even if you don't, if you're calling IBM or Microsoft or Disney, the, the ability to understand their challenges, relate it to somebody else in a way that's, that's coherent and, and makes you sound very knowledgeable is extremely beneficial because what I've found in not every organization by any means, but those that have maybe a little dysfunction, which is a negative word, I suppose, but just, just by the sheer size of a large company, it's hard to communicate effectively all the time. And yep being able to share with someone in a larger organization that you understand some of their challenges and that the president or superintendent of schools or chief medical officer has an initiative coming down that, that you think you might be able to help them. Oftentimes they didn't know of it or they maybe peripherally understand and, and being told, having a conversation with you, they're like, Oh, Wow, that's that's important to the CEO. Well, yeah, I'll listen, right? Yep. Because they're they're so far removed. On the opposite side, when it's a smaller organization, and I've I've experienced this. 
you have this, and, and I'm kind of taking away the veil a tiny bit on a, on a smaller company in their, their mindset. But if, if you targeted, let's go top down because that's my story, my example. Um, executive vice president of a company I worked for gets a cold call. Um, they have a conversation about some of the outbound, same, same concept, probably same cold call. They, they talk about outbound a little bit. He's partially listening and then says, you have to talk to Dan. So the guy calls Dan and I answer and he says, Hey, I just got off the phone with Dave, who was my executive vice president. And he told me to give you a call. Here's some of the things we're talking about. Here's some of the things we're doing. I perked up in my chair and listened like I've never listened before because I was terrified that when Dave comes to see me and says, Hey, did you talk to my buddy XYZ over at this company? I, I better have an answer, right? Yep. I see Dave in the hallway a few weeks later, didn't see him often. A few weeks later, and I said, Dave, hey, I talked to your buddy XYZ from so-and-so company. And he didn't remember. And I said, you remember you told him to call me? Oh, yeah, that guy? I, yeah, I just didn't want to talk to him. That, <laughs> turned, in, that turned into an $80,000 sale over the course yeah. of one year for his business. Yeah. And it was all because of authentic, I'm by no means advocating manipulation, but he reached out to who he thought was the right person, got a really good referral and some insight, and it turned into business. So I absolutely, under, I agree with the bottom down pop up approach. Yeah, it's especially, you know, really big companies, you know, if you're trying to reach out to Zoom, let's say, good luck getting a hold of a VP. You know, it's like, sure. like yeah, you better have something else to bring than just say, hey, uh, we can help you do so and so. Can I get 30 minutes of your time? That's just not going to cut it, dude. <laughs> you yeah, need something, right. some sort of insight, something that you can share, some sort of research that you've done, some, someone that you've talked to it's revealing some sort of opportunity. Like you need, you need something, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, to answer your original question around the cold call, I mean, it depends on who I'm calling and like what the purpose of that is for. Like if I'm doing the bottom up approach, I'm not trying to get a meeting with that person. I'm just trying to see if they'll help trying to get, trying to get some insider info. I call it uh, from them so that I can use it at a later time. And Um, you'd be surprised how often people are open to helping, right? Dude, especially like those that with that bottom up approach, I noticed too, where they'll be like, oh yeah, this is totally a problem. I've been talking about this for like the last six months. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, like thank, please thank tell some, yeah. <laughs> um, and you're also, it's so non-threatening when you call someone without the intention of trying to sell them something. That's what it is. And that's, that's what predictable revenues 2.0 or whatever version that would be yeah. was, right? Yep. It's, hey, I'm not trying to sell you anything, but who should I speak to? Yeah. Yep. That's, that's your approach too. You, you, talked about, you talked about customize, I think in one of the role plays possibly, but you talked about what's a good mix of customization, personalization, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And with the concept of keeping, so at the end of the day, right? Yeah, talking to, talking to a sales team or a marketing team or an accounting team and working your way up makes total sense. Same with working your way down, but you have to cut through some of the noise, right? You mentioned yep. in your most recent blog post, not to, not to creep you out and, and tell you, I actually read it on LinkedIn 
while waiting for this call. Hey, but that's what they're for. Yeah. They're for reading. As, there you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Bay, and uh, you can find him. We'll, we'll tell you where to find him in a minute. But um, I'm on your LinkedIn page. I was reading it, and it talked about um, customizing to kind of cut through some of the noise mm -hmm. and making sure that you're not just saying, I think it was one sentence that was like, they don't, they don't care that you know what college they went to. Yep. Um, tell, tell us more about what you found through your work about, about that mix, because at the end of the day, anybody listening to this, they probably gut reaction say, yeah, quality is, I'd rather quality versus non-quality. Yeah. But my team has to produce numbers too. And the only way to do that, the old school method is smile and dial, send out a bunch of emails. So how do you, how do you look at that? Yeah. So a way that you can do a lot of the heavy lifting off the top is through segmentation. So when you do your outreach, create some clear ICPs and persona based messaging. And that's where I'd start. So for example, the messaging that I'm going to send to a VP of sales is very different from a sales manager or like a director mm -hmm. of sales. It's going to be very like result oriented and like more, more about the metrics and like the business value versus the sales manager just cares about like if, if I sent an email to a sales manager and talked about how to improve open rates and like positive reply rates, they'd be really interested in that. A VP of sales is, is not going to be interested in that. It's too tactical. So Skip Miller came up with this above the line, below the line selling. So I think if you segment the personas, above the power line and you focus more on bigger picture like business value and then the below the line persona is more like tactical you know type stuff that's more like now that kind of thing that's one mm -hmm. way of doing it with your icps looking for some sort of segmentation between industries or a niche within that industry you know like if you're going after SaaS, go after b2b SaaS, and it could be b2b SaaS in a particular industry so that's one way that you can do like a lot of the heavy lifting without having to customize it every time. And for, so, for those out there, ICP is not insane clown posse. It's ideal customer profile. <laughs> yeah. Ideal customer and, profile. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So typically with an ideal customer profile, uh, just look at what I suggest companies do is like, look at your maybe top 20, like most successful customer relationships, most profitable, mm -hmm. like get the best results for, et cetera, and look for patterns. Uh, case studies is also a big thing. So look at where your case studies are the strongest. And then what I recommend doing is picking two or three uh, ICPs to go after based on where your portfolio is the best. So if you figure out that, hey, we do really good work for B2B SaaS companies between 100 and 1,000 employees or 100 to 500 employees, and we have a really good case study for that, all of your outreach is segmented towards B2B SaaS companies. You have this great case study to share. You have this great customer that you have worked with and gotten good results for and that you understand what their challenges are and that sort of thing. So segmentation's the big thing. Um, the second thing is essentially around the message you send and what sort of customization you want. So the way that I would look at this is, and, and, it, and it depends, but I'm gonna say two thirds to three quarters of the message can be pretty templated for the most part within that ICP. So mm -hmm. that means the messaging you're sending to B2B SaaS is gonna be different than if I'm sending outreach to professional services companies. And then marketing agencies within professional services might be another niche that gets different kind of messaging. But two thirds of that message or so is gonna be like a templated 
approach that I know is going to be the same for every company I reach out to. They're going to have these similar challenges and problems and that sort of stuff. And sure. then from there, what I'm customizing is a few things. So I'm using merge tags to obviously customize first name, company name, that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I noticed a big pickup in open rates when the first name is in the subject line. Big so, time. which you can do with merge tags. You know, it's pretty easy to do. But really what we're talking about is what sort of like relevance and personalization should you be adding to an email, let's say. So you at least want to do the first couple lines. So it could be, you know, hey, Dan, notice this, saw this, your post on this. So that first line is, is two parts. It's what did you see and why did it stick out to you? So it's not good enough to say, uh, heard your recent podcast with Jason Bay. I need to then say something that I took from it to show that I actually right. got something from it. And that something needs to be related to why I'm reaching out. So if I'm selling outbound, hey, you know, listen to that podcast with Jason Bay. What really stuck out to me is what you guys were talking about around like how to open up a cold call. Speaking of cold calls, you know, it's like, and then you can kind of go into, <laughs> <laughs> and you obviously that was, you wouldn't use that transition, but uh, <laughs> then you would go I into like the it. email. So you like, you, you want to add, you know, that, that context. So maybe I sell a sales engagement platform. Um, yeah. One of the ways companies like yours are using uh, outreach IO is to uh, scale up the amount of cold calls they can make and reduce the amount of time it takes for follow-up, whatever your value prop is there. And, and I really want to make sure that those first two lines are customized. And then I need to like really sl add slight customizations to the rest of the email if needed to. So if my value prop statement or my call to action, if I can like spice that up just a little bit and connect it to the personalization snippet, yeah. then like it can really do well. So for example, instead of the call to action being like, are you, you know, free 30 minutes, you know, this week or next to talk about it, it might be, um, hey, are, are you free to, uh, for me to share some ideas on how your team could open up cold calls more effectively um, this week or, or next, right? So I'm relating it back to the personalization snippet. So more yeah. and more and more what I'm seeing, and I'm curious what you're seeing too, is that you can't really just use merge tags and get away with like that first line or two, the rest of the email kind of has to flow together well too. Yes, it does. Um, so, so I, I see a few things uh, and I want to touch on a lot that you just said. That's really consistent with my, my mindset too. Um, we are, we are a big sales loft user. So sales mm -hmm. loft is a sales enablement tool for, for outbound email calls, cadences, customization, various things like that. I'm actually also, this will sound like a sales loft commercial, but I'm currently wearing a sales loft t-shirt from their, their content <laughs> there you last go. year. Um, so, so clearly I need free stuff because I'm promoting them like really well. Um, <laughs> they, they did a big study and um, we're so small compared to their normal customer, but um, they did a big study that showed from their data, 20% personalization and then the rest still being customized. So to your point, you said two thirds or maybe three quarters um, can be templated, but still bucketed into SAS, government, small, small school district, large school district, school district in Texas, you know, those kinds of segments. Um, 
are great, and you can certainly templatize a lot of that information. And so for the listeners, that, that would be things like for, for school districts, as, as you know, I said, we, we do a lot with ed tech, but it's also an easy industry for most to understand. You can, you can have a, one email to small school districts in Texas that say, we work with organizations such as District 1, 2, and 3 that these, these administrators would know. But if it's a large district in Texas, you're going to have to say, we work with Dallas and Austin. We, we also work in New York City, if that's relevant, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But you, you need to customize how you're reaching out to them. Um, also, to our conversation a few minutes ago, if it's a really small district, you probably assume that the person you're reaching out to is the decision maker. Large district like Austin, they're going to have 15 different stakeholders in these meetings. So your call to action certainly is going to be different. I agree with that as well. I think the final piece that I've seen, our, our team and our clients' teams, we try to get them to, to bucket their, their cold targets, three categories. I suppose this could also apply to like existing clients where you could bucket them into power users. They're, you know, they're all good. We only have to reach out to them X, X number of times. Concerned users, we've got to stay on them because they're at risk of falling off and then however you want to bucket it. But for cold outreach, we have tier one, two, and three. And it's pretty basic, but tier, tier three would be, let's, let's use your company or my company, for example. Um, probably not going to do a ton of business immediately with an organization like I don't know, pick, pick something huge. What, what's a, a huge company that you would do business with if you could, but you probably won't? Oracle. Oracle, great. <laughs> so if there, were, if there were five dozen companies like Oracle, which there are, that you probably don't have a great chance, but, but if you have them on a list, why not? Why not reach out to them? Yeah. So you can segment those. Talk to them as large organizations. Talk to them with your value prop. Call to action. Great. But spending, spending a lot of human time and a lot of personalization time on a, an opportunity that probably won't pan out might be counterintuitive. Yep. So, so then you get to tier two, and I'm working my way up. Tier two would be organizations that you think you've got a shot, you, you really want to go after, but you still don't want to spend too much time just researching and and really understanding their organization until you're able to set up a discussion. And so your emails in that case should be very segmented, slightly personalized to your point of doing some research, but possibly you're not going to be spending a lot of time actually calling through these lists. You may have tens of thousands of these companies where you, you personally, and I know your, your business is you and your wife, and you have some, some folks helping, but you're not a huge organization yourself, nor are we. We don't have the resources to call through five, six times to 10,000 companies. So, so I leverage email, and if I get responses or I see that they're, they're tracking my blogs or I see they're commenting on LinkedIn, certainly then they, they move up in priority. And then the top tier, tier one, is personalization, same exact thing as you. Two or three sentences that are personal based on blogs they've written. Um, I, I like the college thing as long as there's relevance, right? 
if I went to the same school, I might bring that up and then share, share something and relate it to the email we're talking about. But I'm not just going to say, hey, I see you went to Boston College. That's awesome. Um, and, then, and then finally, that also, those tier one organizations, besides the personalization, 20, 25%, and besides the segmented email messages, are also in a, a call and social media touch cadence as well. So they're getting kind of this holistic touch point schedule, I guess, or cadence, right? So that, that I can really try to drive that conversation with the organizations that I really want to reach. Sounds extremely similar to how you might look at it. That's just our twist on it. Yeah. No, I like it. And it's the universe of prospects is huge. And one of the big you know, tenets that we uh, talk about is prioritization. And you know, what you can also do is, you know, with your, your tier two accounts, let's say for people you're reaching out to, you can also use a tool like sales loft and say, Hey, companies that are our prospects, excuse me, that are opening up emails a bunch of times, but not responding. Let's, let's only call those people, you know, or let's send them a video. So you can also follow, I call it following the engagement and create some triggers in there based on people that are actually engaging with what you're sending them. That's absolutely right. I love it, man. You, you have a great, a great sense for what you're doing. I, I think this, this outbound 3.0, first of all, if it's not coined, you need to. And I'll support that if there's like a patent process you need to go through. Because <laughs> I, I haven't heard of it, though I agree with all of the tenants of it. Yeah. And um, you, I, I can see immediately just after our, our initial conversations and today's 45 minutes or so, I, I can see the value you're bringing your customers and probably the, the support that you're, you're giving to them to grow their businesses. And, and I'm honored that you would spend the amount of time you did today talking with me and our listeners about, about your approach in the market. No, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And this is, this is really great. I have a, have a guide also uh, to share with you guys because we didn't really get a chance to dig into the reply method a ton. But I have a one-page cheat sheet if anyone wants to grab it at blissfulprospecting.com slash Dan. And that's essentially running through the framework and that'll give you a little bit, uh, remove the mystery, excuse me, a little bit of what to say, you know, in those cold emails or when you make a cold call that you, that you might find handy. So ladies and gentlemen, he has customized the landing page for this conversation. Wow. And I'm looking <laughs> at it. You're, you're a true pro. Jason, I am wildly impressed. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, blissfulprospecting.com slash Dan. And I, I'm not like acting like a radio host. I'm, I'm wildly <laughs> impressed with what just happened there. Um, no, I appreciate it, man. I, if, I had a, if I had a horn, I, <laughs> if I would squeeze it right now. I can't even make that noise. But this, this is wildly impressive, and that just shows how authentic you bring your, your work to your customers. I'm, I'm floored. How else can people find you? Blissfulprospecting.com. Tell us more. Yeah, blissfulprospecting.com is going to be the best place. Uh, that's going to kind of link to everything. There's, there's three things that we're doing right now. One is if you want free content, uh, we post every day on LinkedIn and every day on our blog. And if you just follow daily prospecting tips, that hashtag on LinkedIn, you'll be able to find our LinkedIn content. And then the other thing is this reply method guide. I've already shared that. And if you're looking for you know, to help with this stuff or want to talk about outbound, 
you can let us know that too, you know, either through LinkedIn through our, or through our website, but yeah, website's going to be the main hub for all the content. I love it. Oh, we're well, launching a podcast soon too, actually. So I don't know oh. when this is airing, but it'll launch in probably mid-March, mid to end of March. Blissful Prospecting Excellent. Podcast. Blissful Prospecting Podcast. I totally condone that strategy. <laughs> and I will, I will wait for my customized landing page to come in my email to invite me to come on board. If it doesn't happen, yeah. then I'll be heartbroken. But may, maybe <laughs> like next March. Get, get the really good guys out of the way, and then I'll come in. Awesome. <laughs> It, it's, uh, it's great talking to you. I'd, I'd love to have you back on at some point when we can, we can share, share updates. And back to the very first thing we said, things are going to change. Would love to, would love to keep you coming back and share with us what you're seeing out there. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on, Dan. All right. It was, it was wonderful. We'll talk soon. All right. We'll see you. All right. Thanks everybody.